This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 22nd, 2019. Leadership Lessons, Community. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. Isn't this a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom? Can I get an amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. Today, we continue to look at Nehemiah. And the leadership lessons we can learn from him. Last week, we focused on character. Next week, we're going to take a look at conflict. This morning, our focus is on community. Good morning again, Connection. My name still is Carrie Jones. Mine's still Alan Jones. And we are humbled and privileged to be here. We also want to welcome the 22 people who are joining us on Facebook Live. You are part of us. We are honored that you are here as well. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. It's an exciting day. It's a special day. You are so far out ahead of us, Lord, and we're grateful to be a part of this community of faith. Settle us in. Help us learn from Nehemiah and... um, touch our hearts that they would be open and ready to receive. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So as we shared last week, Nehemiah is found in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. There's a book there with his name on it. (laughs) He was a Hebrew who was deported as part of the Babylonian exile. That's when uh, around 600 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, he He and his troops besieged Jerusalem. They overran it, and they exiled the best and the brightest back to their country of Babylon. Now, Nehemiah, he had a job as a cupbearer. It's a high-ranking position, uh, one that many people would would want to have. Uh, the, The job was to serve drink, primarily wine, to the royal table, to the king. Now, the tough part of the job is you're royal. And so he went to his boss, the king, and he got permission to go back home for a little while and, and, and lead a mission to do that work. He got permission also to get some timber from the king's forest to rebuild those, uh, those gates. And the king also sent some army officers and cavalry for some protection for, for Nehemiah on the way. It sounds like the king really <clears throat> honored and respected Nehemiah as well to go to those lengths to help. An important question that we did not really answer last week is this. Why was the Jerusalem wall so important? What was the big deal about that Jerusalem wall that would make a grown man, a leader, Nehemiah, weep, just cry and pray and call out to God? Well, back in those days that we were talking about before Christ, the cities had walls to protect the city. It was called a fortified city. And so the walls would protect the people who lived in the city from from the enemy, from bandits, robbers, even from wild animals. And so with the walls being obliterated by these foreign people who came in to take over to besiege the city, It was a horrible reminder, a painful reminder, that the capital of the Hebrew nation, that's key, the capital of the Hebrew nation, which was Jerusalem, laid in ruin. Painful reminder 
that God's city, it was the, the capital of the Hebrew nation politically and spiritually. And so it was just destroyed. It would be like um, an attack on Washington, D.C. They would bomb the Capitol. They would, you know, spray paint the Lincoln Memorial. They would uh, knock down the Washington Monument and all that kind of stuff and just take over the city so the people who would live there were no longer there. Now, the difference is that Jerusalem was also a religious city and, you know, well, I'm not going to go there. So anyway, but you kind of get what we're talking about. It would be really horrible. The ruins of Jerusalem wall that reminded everyone of how they had been overrun and conquered. Restoration of the wall gave the people hope, a future of the Hebrew people. And so God gave uh, Nehemiah a vision for repairing, rebuilding the wall and the gates. And Nehemiah prayerfully received the vision from God. And then, as we said, with the king's permission, Nehemiah returned home to do the work. And so in the book of Nehemiah, it's kind of like an autobiography. It's very interesting to read. Beginning at chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Nehemiah says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And then it goes on with the next several verses telling how Nehemiah went by night from gate to gate, from destroyed gate to gate, examining the wall and the gates and uh, how they'd been broken down, how the gates had been destroyed by fire. The, the officials there did not know what he was doing. As, and I quote, Nehemiah had said nothing to the Jews or priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. <laughs> so he's checking out what work these guys are going to be doing, having not told them the work of rebuilding the walls according to scripture. Picking it up at verse 17, then I, Nehemiah, said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. You know, it is so cool the way God shares a plants a vision and shares it. See, he plants the vision in someone, possibly sometimes a couple people. In this case, it was Nehemiah. But when Nehemiah goes out and shares it, he's not sharing it to people who are blank slates. See, God, as he shared it with Nehemiah, also shares it with the people they're not even aware of it, though. It's below, like, the conscious level. He shares it, like, in their soul. And so what happens when that leader shares the vision, it's like a catalyst. It's like an igniter. It, it, it fires up <coughs> what God had previously placed in all those souls out there. And so those people, unbeknownst to them, they're already ready for what's coming. Notice how in the Scripture it said, 
he told them about what the plan was, and, and they replied. They didn't say, well, let's think about it. They say, let us start rebuilding. <clears throat> they just heard the vision, but they were already ready because God had prepared them previously, and they were, unbeknownst to them, just waiting for the, for the spark to catch fire. It is so cool. Cool. So that's kind of what happened uh, close to 20 years ago when God shared the vision of a new worshiping community called, and it was named by God, Connection Community Church. God planted kingdom-building mindset in a congregation up the road, Cornerstone Church. It's now Christ the Cornerstone Church. And so when we communicated that to their pastor, it was already there, and we were invited to go and be a part of that congregation for the sole purpose to cast the vision, not to go and do their work, or to, but to cast their vision. We were on their staff, and they even paid us to do it. And so we did that, and there were people among you who already felt something inside and came right on in right away and it was 14 families and it was really really incredible but the whole point of this is that God had already pre-planted the vision and so all it needed to be was communicated was to be spoken out and so God uses a person or two to cast that vision that's the term we use cast the vision but it takes a community to catch the vision to to be ignited by the vision, to carry out the vision, a community that God's already under the, under the radar planted that vision in. And so this second leadership lesson we learned from Nehemiah is that leadership not only involves character, as we learned last week, but leadership involves community. <laughs> community. Great leaders don't do all the work themselves. You know, you know what it's called when a great leader's all by himself? He says, let's take the hill and nobody's following. It's called a lonely walk up the hill. <laughs> That's not leadership, is it? Because to lead, you have to have people that come along. No, it involves community. Great leaders don't do all the work themselves. They don't have all the gifts needed to do the work themselves. And if it's a great work of God, it's going to be bigger than any one person or two people or three people. Yeah. The gift that leader does have is the gift to allow God to work through them to empower others to utilize their gifts to get the thing done, to utilize their gifts to the utmost. That's what that leader has. In the third chapter of Nehemiah, it's basically a listing of people who were involved in restoration of the wall. Alan and I did rock, paper, scissors to see who would read this, and I, I lost. <laughs> Maybe I should have you read it with me, and you'll see how hard it is. Anyway, <laughs> Eliasib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. This is pretty uh, explanatory, isn't it? 
Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Mesulam, son of Berakah, the son of Mishalabim, whatever, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Banna, also made repairs. The next section were repaired by, and it goes on. So you and went on. even past where you had to. Got oh, I dad. did. I was just really, that. but I'm looking. I mean, this whole third chapter is full of names. It's very, very cool because we see that it took a community. I thought Carrie did a great job with those names, don't you? Yeah. I, I practiced, but you And you, you went above tell. and beyond. You went past with the, wow. I that's did. That's incredible. <laughs> she always does. That's good. Thank you. Whole chapter of names and what their job was. Whole chapter. Pastor Paul Phillips, in his article entitled The Four C's of Nehemiah's Leadership, which we will use some for this series, it's on the website ironleader.org. He shares that this is one of the most important chapters, chapter 3, in the book of Nehemiah. He points out that he counted more than 40 individual names. You know, those names carried throughout the chapter, more than 40 names, more than 10 named groups in chapter 3. He goes on to say that if you read chapter 3, there's one really important name that's missing. And it's the name of Nehemiah. Isn't that interesting? See, chapter 3 is a chapter that truly shows us what kind of leader Nehemiah was. As leadership guru John Maxwell shares, a leader is great not because of his power, but because of his ability to empower others. And I'd like to make a slight addendum to that. It's not really his ability to empower us, his ability to allow God to work through him or her to empower others. Because it's God's empowerment, isn't it? We just open to kind of be a conduit to, to allow that to work through us. Nehemiah or God, rather, through Nehemiah, empowered hundreds of people to rebuild the wall and the gates. That's some real leadership, isn't it? That's some real leadership. In order for leaders to empower others, they also must entrust them with the task at hand. For Nehemiah, the task was rebuilding the wall and the gates of the city of Jerusalem, and so he couldn't be everywhere at once. It's like when we built this building, one person couldn't, like, see everything. It, it took an army of people. And so the wall, the Jerusalem wall, I mean, it was a big honking wall. So he could not be everywhere. Nehemiah entrusted the work to others. In fact, every section of the wall had a leader who led other people who oversaw it. Now, Nehemiah was the leader of leaders, but that's how huge projects work. You have a leader and leaders, and then it trickles on from there. Every member has got to trust one another to make it happen. Again, Pastor Paul Phillips writes, the currency every great team uses is what? Trust. Every member has to trust that the other person on their team will do their part. They must build their own part of the wall. A team with not much trust <coughs> is dysfunctional. That's, that's a tough line. A team with not much trust 
is dysfunctional. So it takes a team to build a big honking wall. Say big honking wall. That didn't sound very big or honking. Come on now. Big honking wall. I just wanted to hear you guys say that. Okay, so that's how it works around here at Connection Church. God has entrusted us, carry it out, with, with leading this congregation. But as you all well know, we can't do this by ourselves. You know, this would be a congregation of eight if we were doing this by ourselves, if, if that big. Because this is a team effort, a team opportunity, a team experience. And so we get the privilege of leading. And to do that, we empower, God empowers through us other leaders, other leaders. Staff, which, you know, paid staff, but also the lead team, which volunteer, ministry leaders, volunteer positions, and often then those leaders empower, God uses them to empower other people, other leaders, leaders empowering other leaders. For a staff example, we don't hire um, staff here to do all the work. You know, some churches are like, well, we've got that staff person, let them... That's not why we hire staff. The primary reason we hire staff is for them to train and empower volunteers at Connection Church. You know, it's crazy to think that a church this size can operate with a part-time director of office operations. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I know churches this size that have one, one and a half, or two full-time positions. We have a part-time position, but we're able to do that because... Deb Morgan empowers many, many, many volunteers in the office. And that's true for all of our staff positions here. We, those across the board, they empower our volunteers and get it done. There are volunteer leaders who are like volunteer staff. It is so, so important. You know, Alan mentioned the lead team, but I mean, the trustees, my goodness, they're here as a team all the time. And that front is just incredible. And they even had people beyond the trustees. Everybody helped to make that happen. Um, the usher team, the greeter team, the food ministry team, the I, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not going to mention all the teams. And here's why. Because we would be here a really long time. I spent some time last night counting up the teams, and I stopped at 50. Here you go. Who, who here is on a team? Put your hand up. Who here is on some kind of a serving uh, ministry, yeah. some kind of a team here at Connection? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. But the, yeah. But like, um, for instance, um, I'm looking at you, Jen. So the food ministry team, you're the leader, but you need people every day of the week. And Bruce and Bonnie do that. Mm. And you need people to bag and pick they up. They were working and then, this morning, bringing bags in. And then serve the food and do all that. I mean, it's teams within teams. And that's true for every ministry. And it's just, it's incredible. That's how this church rolls. And we don't know everything that's going on, the details. We kind of have the big picture but we don't know what, you know, when Aaron and Kyle lead Alpha, they're leading Alpha and lots and lots of teams, and they just make some decisions, and that's the way it works. And so thank you, Connection mm. Church. As I said a couple weeks ago, I went on vacation for the first time and really could relax because you guys are rocking, and it's, it's She's awesome. been on vacation before. She just couldn't relax. It wasn't, just, her first it wasn't vacation. your fault. I she couldn't just relax. Couldn't relax. So okay. God did a, a great thing. So thank mm. you. You know, if we knew everything that was going on around here, there ain't enough going on. 
That's the bottom line. So has anybody here heard about the fall festival we have coming up? Let me see your hand. <laughs> Everybody better Well, if you haven't, them. we're having a fall festival coming up. Yeah, everybody's heard about it. Saturday, October the 19th. Something new, something big, a big honking fall festival, something super exciting. Say fall festival. There you go. See, I didn't make you say big honking. But Tim is our leader. He's Tim, a volunteer. Stand up. He's stand our up, leader Tim. for that. Okay, if you can help hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Yeah, thank you. It's a big honking fall festival. Yeah, big honking fall festival, Tim. He's not doing it by himself. Are you doing it all by yourself? No. No. I mean, he's very involved, but he can't do it all by himself. If he did, it wouldn't be a fall festival. It would be a fall get-together. It would be a fall hello, goodbye, you know? He's leading this community of faith as we invite the bigger community out there to just say, hey, come on into our place and let's have some fun. You know, we've handed out thousands, right? Thousands. Of invites through the Peach Festival, through the Multicultural Festival, through Just Between Friends. They let us put one in every bag. Oh my gosh, that is like the hugest thing. Like a couple thousand in bags of young families Mm. who were buying Mm. clothes for their families. Who got one in their program this morning, a little card? Yeah. It's not for you, because you already told me you've heard about the fall festival. That's for somebody, for you to give to, so we just invited another 200 people. You with me? See, this thing's going to get crazy, and it's an all hands on deck. Who here has hands? Good. All hands on deck. That's you guys' hands, our hands, yeah. So please, sign up out at the table. Tim, you can't do it by yourself, right? Okay, you need all hands in the lobby to help because serving creates community. Say serving creates community. Serving creates community. And I want to be part of that community. So we just saw a great example, though, when Paige stood up and shared the announcements. She came through the Peach Festival. Think about how many people could get exposed to Jesus through the Fall Festival. And remember, the Fall Festival is not for for us. You can come and enjoy it for a few minutes, but it's for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Community is our model. It all started in the beginning of the Bible when God, you know, hovered the earth, Father, Son, Spirit, that's called the Trinity. And then from there, when God had to do something radical and came in the form of Jesus Christ, human yet divine, Jesus built a community on earth. He already had one in heaven. And so he built one on earth. He had lots of followers. They did life together. We know about the disciples. They did life together. He taught them to lead. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ did not teach the disciples to lead? We wouldn't be here. It was through what Jesus taught them and empowered them through the Holy Spirit to do that we get, the church was built. And now that's our responsibility to lead others into a relationship with our leader, Jesus Christ. I just mean, I got to go off script here for a second. Those invites that you have, you, sometimes we forget how important every single invite is. Guy up here playing guitar, uh, is Bill playing this week? Yeah, he, he's 
Yeah. You see, Bill's up here leading worship. Bill preaches sometimes. Bill oh, got here right because there. he was taking a walk through the neighborhood. I hope you don't mind me sharing a little bit of your story. Kind of having a tough time at that point. He happened to come across Tim Wilkins, who I don't even think he knew. It's true? Well, kind of. I mean, it was, yeah. they weren't bosom buddies or anything. Yeah. It's the last week of Alpha. You're not supposed to invite anybody the last week. First two weeks, that's the rule. He, he, relax, I'm getting it. But Tim went off script. The last week he invites Bill to Alpha. <coughs> Look what that invite did. Every invitation counts. You never know what God's going to do with that invitation. Every one of those postcards is important. It's crucial. It could have eternal consequences for somebody out there. It's so important. Back on script. <laughs> you, me, us. We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, just like the ones way back, those 12 guys that he was hanging out with. Called to follow him, not in isolation, though. I always marvel at how this thing, we have to on our own make a decision to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, to say, yes, nobody can do it for us. We can't do it for anybody else. So we're kind of on our own for that, but, but we're in that in the midst of community. It's all about the community, just like this morning. Isn't it awesome getting to worship in community like this? It is for me because when I sing these hymns by myself, it's a horrible experience. <laughs> but it's so good with you guys' voices. Yeah, I don't mean the hymns are bad. I mean listening to my voice is bad. Anyway, so here's one. Jesus calls us to be leaders in this community, to use our gifts like Nehemiah, to encourage and to empower and to entrust others to use their gifts as well. Ultimately, Jesus calls us and the Holy Spirit empowers us to lead others to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't force anybody into that, can you? You can't force them, but you can lead them. You can say, how about this? You can uh, help them see what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like through your life, through what you say, and more importantly, through what you do. You know, it's what we do that people watch. When we're out outside, we got to be careful because people are watching. Because what you say or do speaks most, so much louder than what you say. Yep. And we can help them see what a changed life looks like. Anybody here have a changed life because of Jesus Christ? <laughs> Think about that one. And wouldn't you want to, like, share that so somebody else could have a changed life, too? Yeah. That's what we mean with our mission here, connecting people with Jesus and the new, new life. life he offers, the new life he offers, leading others to that personal, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, <laughs> heck, for some of you this morning, that life, that new life might be yours this morning. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Holy God. Wow. <laughs> the Nehemiah story is pretty good. Good leader. 
allowed you to lead through him, Lord. And today, it's an important community. I celebrate that you call us to be in community one with another. This is just glorious. Just a little sampling of what heaven's going to be, Lord. Lord, please give us the strength and the courage and empower us to to do that invite, to, to be your disciples, to be your hands and feet and your voice and your ears. And please help us to let others see us and know what a new life in Christ looks like. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Turn me on. Hello. There. You know, I just want to say, those of you who are watching online, somebody just wrote, Jesus totally changed my life. It just blows me away with the way that God works. And yes, as Alan said, we individually accept that relationship, but we need each other. And so here you are at 4744 Summit Bridge Road, and there you are in lots of places across our country and beyond. And Lord, we pray that you make us one. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.